Well, good morning. I'm very happy you're here. Thank you for being here. You could choose to be a lot of places on a beautiful Sunday morning, but we're really glad you're here. Uh, how many of you have never been to Otter Creek before? Have anybody who's brand new? Okay, so uh, so everybody's been here at least a little bit. Uh, if you've been here more than a, a year, you know that in January for the past three years, the shepherds have been leading the Sunday morning classes. And so we, we're continuing that new tradition this year. And uh, we've got a three-week conversation that we want to have with y'all. Um, and, and I want it to be a conversation, so, um, so if you didn't get a donut, get some sugar in you, get ready to talk, and uh, we've got a lot to cover over the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about being God's people in today's world, and so we're going to, um, we're going to cover really three things. Uh, today, week one, we're going to establish our response to God's plan for humanity. In other words, how do we know what God wants us to do? And when we figure that out, what does that look like? And how do we act? And what do we do? And, and what does that make us look like? So we're going to explore that today and kind of set the stage for the next couple of weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to look at four interactions of Jesus and his early followers and see how they responded to God's will uh, and, and look at their example. So uh, at the end of class, you're going to have a homework assignment. Uh, this is in honor of you, Josh, so you thought you were on break, but there's going to be homework at the end. You with me? You with me? All right. We're good. All right, so homework assignment for next week, um, and I think you're going to like it. Um, and then next, w- and then the third week, uh, we're going to have a practical conversation about how does all this look uh, in our practical lives in today's world. So we're going to look at some contemporary case studies about what it means to be faithful to God's truth and to live in grace uh, and love with others. So um, after this class series, we should be able to uh, engage in a turbulent culture with faithfulness and grace. Today's uh, aim is to figure out what's God's plan for us and how do we respond to that and what does that look like. So establishing our response to the will of God. So here we go. Um, It is a crazy turbulent world. Uh, We've got polarization, if you've been following the news, a lot of uh, political um, upheaval. There's outrage instead of persuasion. There's red versus blue. There's CNN versus Fox News. There's mass shootings. There's violence, sexual abuse. Uh, There there are examples of misconduct inside of religious uh, situations and communities. Uh, What else? What what comes to mind? when you think about all that, agree, disagree, what are your thoughts on that? Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, yeah, staking out one position. We've got a lot of polarization in the in the world. Do y'all feel that in your uh, in your individual lives at work? Does it spill over into your your lives? I see a lot of heads nodding. Okay, yeah. So I think. Uh, I think we all feel that, and so the question for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is what do we do with that? How do we live out truth and grace in a world that's so turbulent? I'm going to give you a, um, I, I like it when, uh, I used to teach uh, third, fourth, and fifth graders, and I always like to tell them the answer, like, you know, when you go home, you remember when you were riding home with your mom and dad, and they'd say, what did you study in Bible class? And if you hadn't paid real close attention, it was a kind of, kind of an awkward question. 
So here's, here's something you can tell your kids if they say, well, what did you study in Bible class today, Mom and Dad? If you ask them that, sometimes they'll ask you back. So Colossians 3 is where we're going to get to some of the meat of our conversations today. If you have a Bible with you, or if you want to look it up on your phone and go ahead and get there, we're going to get there in just a few minutes. But Colossians 3 is going to provide a lot of uh, guidance for us on how we, how we um, figure this all out. Um, but if you want one word to summarize this class this morning, here it is. So as Christians, when we know God's truth and we live it out in our lives, we're going to look different. That's the operative word for today, okay? So we're going to look different than the world. So hold that thought and let's continue. How do you think God communicates his plan for humanity. How has he done that through the ages? There's there's lots of possibilities here, so let's hear from you. What do you think? How's he done that in the past? How's he do it today? Through scripture. Through scripture. Yes. Good. How else? Is that the only way God talks to us today? I see some gentle nods. So Who's brave enough to suggest a way? I heard Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Excellent. Anybody want to share uh, some other ways or some ways the Holy Spirit has spoken to them or you've seen evidence of that? I think that's involved in our thought communication plans Okay. Music is one. Music? There's some elements of music. Yeah, Satan's involved in the same area. Sure, so. right. It's a, powerful, it's a powerful tool. Yeah. There's certain times certain books will appeal to you or certain messages. Yeah. So there's God is not silent. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Very good. Yeah, um, it's interesting you mentioned music. Uh, if you were in first service, Josh talks about doxology and he talks about praising God and he's uh, in, a, in Ephesians. And so that actually kind of fits with what we're talking about um, this morning. So uh, some other ways God has talked to us in the past through crea- through His creation, uh, through the prophets uh, in the past, and through Scripture, of course. Um, so, we've all got the same Bible. We all um, can study the Scriptures, and yet we don't all think the same way about the same thing. So, how do, we, how do we discern God's intent? How do we understand his scriptures? Some thoughts on that. How do you do that? How do you figure out what the scriptures mean or, or how that song or person speaks to you if that's God speaking in your life or not? What do you think about that? Communal discernment. What does that mean to you? I can out quiet you. (laughs) (laughs) Scripture is not intended to be understood individually. It's intended to be lived out as the kingdom of God, as the church together. So I think it takes relationship with the church, and especially with the church, but I also think it takes relationship with God. So that 
fantastic. I'm going to try to say that back to you because there'll be some people listening in on podcast, and then you you give me thumbs up or thumbs down if I'm saying it back to you right. But you said um, it, it's it's not for us to live this out individually, but in community with the rest of the church. And then and part of that is that we've got to be in constant contact with God through Scripture and other ways. Um, who wants, who wants to agree or disagree or elaborate on that? I think that's, I think that's a wonderful thought. Wonderful thought. Thank you. What do you think about that concept about, you know, I, I grew up in the Church of Christ and, and there was a lot of uh, mention about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. So um, individual responsibility versus our community responsibility. Somebody want to speak to that? I think that's a good point. You know, you, you talked about two things that involved relationship. Relationship with others within the church and relationship between us and God. And Brian, what you're talking about, relationship takes time. It takes energy. It takes um, an investment. And and you're right. There, there are a lot of distractions in our world right now. And there are a lot of uh, things that maybe we're trying to tune out or get away from. So it's... You may be right about that. I think uh, some of the some of the ways people over the years throughout the church history uh, have responded to the will of God is through community, through um, the the traditions of the church, through the Holy Spirit. Um, how many of you have ever fasted? I have done it only on a couple of occasions. Any? Uh, so it's quite a few people. Um, um, how many of you have taken time to go away and be quiet and, and listen for God? Yeah, and some of this, some of these things I realize, I know I haven't heard us talk about these ways of discerning God's will. Um, and some of it may seem mysterious. It may seem... Um, Ambiguous, and we're we're uncomfortable with ambiguity sometimes. So how how do we center all? Of, how do we stay centered? How do how do uh, how do we keep from going off? And, and I get a message from God that looks different than your message from God. Are there some are there some guidelines? Are there some some things that we can look to so that we know we're, we're getting the right message or we're understanding the right message? Because um, you know, sometimes, sometimes some of us come to different conclusions about what God's will is uh, for us as individuals or us as a church. And I, see, I see a lot of heads nodding, so I, I know 
you kind of relate to this. Is anybody brave enough to share a, a thought about how you personally wrestle with that? I think that's where faith has to, has to come to surface. You just have to believe and trust and have faith that the message you're hearing with a genuine open heart is the one that you're supposed to Okay. So being faithful, keeping your heart open. All right. Good. Excellent. Other, other ways that we know we're hearing the right message. Is there one right message? Is there one right truth? I was just going to say, for me, a lot of times, with all the things that you had on the first screen, you get so consumed with, so overwhelmed with, you know, I've heard it before, is like you have to be able to admit that you're wrong mm-hmm. before you kind of dig in and take a stance. Yeah, so if you humility. You believe in it, mm-hmm. just know that you could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And then, two, just to kind of Strip away all those things that can be over-consumed and just fall into prayer and, and, and know that it's not this choice or this decision, but it's just about Jesus at the end of it. Not, they're doing it this way or I'm doing it this way. Right. Just strip it down. I, um, many of you probably can relate to this. Um, years ago, I was closing a business and I decided to go look for a corporate job again. And I prayed about that decision, and um, and I literally this was kind of a I get chills talking about this even today. But I literally this was back before smartphones. This was a long time ago, and I opened up the the white pages, and I, or yellow pages, and I went through recruiters, and I prayed to God. I said, "Help me find somebody who's going to um, help me follow the path you want me to follow." And I literally um, went down after I prayed and stuck my finger down and I saw this name I didn't recognize I dialed the number it was a guy I had been in a men's group men's bible study group with about 10 years earlier and um, he was he was doing recruiting he talked to me he didn't help me find a job I found a job through another path but what he did was he prayed with me on the phone and he reminded me that God's in control of all the paths and so I, I think this idea of living out our faith um, in community with other believers, in relationship with God, I think that's really important. So I think it's important to be present with each other, and I think it's important to be present with God, and we, we still uh, find that boundary or that uh, centering, I believe, through Scripture. Um, so lots of ways to listen and discern God's intent, and we have to do that in concert, I believe, with, with other believers and, uh, and through the truth of His um, his word. So we've got to acknowledge that he's in charge and he's sovereign. Um, let's look at John 17 quickly. If, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to read something from John 17. This is part of Jesus's prayer for the, um, for the disciples. He prayed right before he was taken away in the garden. And in John 17, verse 14, Part of his prayer for his disciples is, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Um, And then this idea of being centered on Scripture and um, 
continues in Colossians 3. So what you see up here on the screen is Colossians 3, 8 through 10 and verse 12. Um, if you have your Bibles open, I'm going to back up and read starting in verse 5 through verse 14. I think this is just a beautiful passage. So if you've got your um, Bibles, follow along. If not, just feel free to close your eyes and listen to the Word of God. Paul is writing here to the people, to the Christians in uh, Colossia. And um, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So, impressions from that reading of God's Word. How does that relate to today? Do you recognize any similarities or any differences? And how does this inform us of how we as followers of Jesus should act. How about that word holy? What's that mean? This is the easy one. They get harder. So you might want to jump on this one. How about holy? What does holy mean? Either a formal definition or what, what, what does it mean to you? Holy's the easy one. Holy's the easy one. Well, I, I take it as simply being try to be as close to God as you can. Yeah. That's the definition of holy God. Yeah. So sanctify. Sanctify. Set apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, different. You know, God is holy. He's set apart. He's 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 different, um, and that's what we're called to be. I think, as, as Christians. What uh, what about this passage? What about in verse uh, five, six, and seven? What what about that reminds you of our world today? Or have we moved past that since Paul's time? What about sexual immorality? How do we... uh, Is that a temptation for Christians in the 21st century? 
How about on college campuses? What's that like? How do we put to death our earthly nature that Paul talks about in verse 5? Put to death, therefore, whatever brings whatever belongs to your earthly nature. How do we do that? Can we do that? Do we want to do that? Can we do it by ourselves? Y'all ever watch the movie Elf? <laughs> Remember the scene where uh, Will Ferrell's character, you know, Buddy the Elf, is waiting for his brother outside of school, and he's sitting across the street, and he said, "I waited, I've waited for you know." He goes, "Hey, it's your brother!" You know, he's and, and the little guy, he's so embarrassed, and uh, and then Will Ferrell runs over, you know, Buddy the Elf runs over, and he's walking along with him, and he's going, uh, "You know, I waited for you for five hours," you know, it's like. Have you ever seen a dog? Do you have a dog? You know, what did you do? What did you eat for lunch? I have it. So sometimes when you're trying to facilitate a conversation, it feels like your buddy the elf. You're asking a lot of questions, and somebody's just trying to walk away from you. So I get it. It's, you know, sometimes, it, you know, it's like, here's buddy the elf who's just asking a lot of questions, and won't, I just want to be left alone. Um, is it time for the snowball fight? <laughs> I think it is. I think... Uh, I will say, this passage here reminds me a lot of how maybe it's not our job to fix people, but to love them and to be a And that your own job is to love And I want to say that I see that for you. And I meant to see you, and I was to look that because you knew my son from elementary. And you stopped him in the church, knew his name, didn't just say hello, but no. What are you doing? You tried to get a 13 year old to talk to him. And but, you know, what are you doing? And you know, that kind of thing. And that's the kind of thing I see that is just a lot to me. You know, that's just a really thing for a Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I think love is, it's, it's what fixes all, it's what solves all of this. Mm-hmm. All of these earthly problems that we have, and how, how do we, you know, how do we put all this stuff to death? Well, we can't do it on our own. I mean, we've got to, we've got to, we're in this together, and um, yeah, and, and Jesus showed us that example. I mean, he, he loved us the most. Um, what other thoughts? I will interpret um, itching and hair brushing as raising of hands, so be careful. <laughs> Just putting you on notice. All right, so with, with so much in society and um, American culture being so pervasive, you know, we've all got phones that you know, we can look down and check our email, and next thing you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff coming at us um, that is per- pervasive in our culture that is not love, that is not... Um, helping us put to death um, all these earthly nature type things. Um, So we've got to be on guard. American culture is a powerful influence. We have to be in the world but not of the world. 
What I'd be curious. What are some ways you protect yourselves against that? Um, I'll share one with you while you're thinking of some ways maybe um, that you you deal with that or protect your own hearts. But um, several years ago, I was a, I was an intermittent Bible reader, and several years ago, I made a decision that I needed to be in the Word. You know, to this idea of being in a relationship with God, and so. I started out small, and I just decided if I could just open my Bible up every morning. I like to read when I go to lunch, or I'm sitting at breakfast, and I sometimes I'll read novels, and sometimes I'll read how-to books. And I thought, well, this is crazy. I can read my Bible, I, I'm, and so I'll I'll read a little bit, and that has grown to where I read my Bible every morning, and I look forward to that. And that's a discipline, and it came with a decision. Um, and that's I'm not saying that's a I mean that's a simple thing. Um, but this is one way I think we can begin to put to death our own earthly nature and submit ourselves to the will of God. What, what disciplines or habits do you have that help protect yourself or help put to death some of your earthly nature? I, I, can, I look around the room and I know some things. I know some things that y'all do. I'd love for you to share them with us. Somebody mentioned music earlier. How many of you... Turn music, turn Christian music on in the car. How many of you are part of a uh, a Bible study on a regular basis with other people? How many of you get up and come to Sunday school class every week, even if you know the teacher's just going to hound you with lots of questions? But you submit to that, and you you're willing to be part of a community of believers. So. Um, we got to remember that we should we should be the ones that shape the culture. We have the power and the truth, uh, and not let it be the other way around. So we've got these tasks that are difficult um, to discern the will of God. We've got to listen for His will. Um, we've got to um, discern how to take action. I mean, in practical terms, what does it look like when we understand God's will? Somebody said it earlier. I appreciate the idea of humility, but. But when we fall short, I think to be effective in our culture, we've got to repent. We've got to change our ways. And I think along with that, the idea of confession. Because if, if people don't think we care about them, they're not going to care how smart we are or what truth we think we know. And so we've got to, we've got to be on guard about that. And being thankful. Um, I love Lee Camp talks about um, two things that are so important to his life, about um, being repentant and being thankful, being two key disciplines that that he adheres to, and I, I, think that's, I think that's really good food for thought. So, we may all have different particular ideas about how God's Scripture affects our decisions in our everyday life and what that looks like, and we may not agree on everything. Um, and I don't think we have to agree on everything. We see lots of examples where Paul, we just read Paul's words in Scripture, and he got into fights with his fellow apostles and disciples all the time about things. But there's some things we agree on and that we hold to that are core and true in our beliefs. And, and, and these are on our website. They have been for years. But um, I'm, I'm going to go through some of these for, um, at Otter Creek. We don't all believe the exact same things, but these are some of the things that we think are core to Christianity at Otter Creek. Um, everything that exists was designed and created by God to be cared for and enjoyed. God has a plan for what he has created and will accomplish God's purposes in the end. Um, we think that's something we can all agree on. Um, we think Scripture teaches that humans are created in the image of God so that we can have a personal and communal relationship with God. 
And this image gives dignity and enables us to love. It also sets us above and makes us responsible for the non-human creation. So we've got responsibilities. But there's that idea of love uh, as being core to what we believe in. Um, sin separates us from God, and he has made a path to reconcile him, reconcile us to him. So uh, it can only be undone by him. And when we talk about dying to self and putting to death our earthly nature, I believe that's a decision and that's letting go, but I don't think it's something we can control. I think this is something we have to do in community with each other and in community with God and his holy, holy truth. We believe God is one and he's presented in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, Trinity. And that uh, Jesus is completely God, became a complete human being. His life is re- has revealed God to us. He said, no man comes to the Father except through me. So we see Jesus, we see God in the person of Jesus. Um, and his death satisfied the justice of God for the original rebellion and the evil that followed. Um, and the Holy Spirit is completely God and does the work of the Father and Son. The Spirit teaches, gives gifts, and transforms us back into God's image. Um, so we... Alright, so... How have you seen this church be faithful to God in the past? Maybe that's in a big way or in a small way. David, you've been here a long time. What have you seen this church do or not do? What have you seen individuals do that that demonstrate some of the faithfulness? Um, <clears throat> probably one of the most uh, memorable examples, and it may not be at the top of the list, but just our journey from going from an old building mm-hmm. with 800 people and one bathroom to <laughs> the Baptist church hand-me-down, as I call it. Yeah. <clears throat> because at that time we we made several attempts to to change, to improve, to to remodel, to enlarge, to move. We actually had three or four different paths, and they it was very frustrating and lasted over two or three years. And actually we had a chance to buy this building early on and it, it, we didn't take it and then it came back around. So that's, that's one of the more memorable ones to me from a, of course we have the other ministries that were kind of before my time, Agape and the Wayne Reed Center, uh, but those are some of those that kind of we've done communally as a group. It's interesting you mention that because along the path of those decisions, I'm sure the leaders, we, this was before Sarah and I became a part of Otter Creek, we, we started worshiping with the church here when it was uh, late 05, so this building had already been purchased and there was, mm-hmm. we, there was this transition getting ready to move, but I would imagine that there was a lot of prayer and a lot of discernment about do we buy this piece of land or this piece of land or this building? And um, and it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. So um, imagine there was a lot of praying and talking and uh, discerning. Absolutely. And we had to go to the Forest Hills Planning Commission meeting, and they really didn't like us at all <clears throat> because they wanted Forest Hills to remain a kind of a bedroom community, no more big mega churches. So they wanted us to leave, essentially, or not change. So it was eye-opening, I guess, to say the least. A lot of hard work. 
What is, yes? When I think of how I see how the PPP pays for the world value tax, I think of things like um, the thing with the MRP or the Montclair's assassination, where yeah. uh, we remember that Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I do think that's a huge part of the culture of Otter Creek, uh, being faithful to him through caring about our community and uh, being, being willing to say we're sorry, being willing to say we're not perfect and we don't have it all figured out. I love that sweet spirit about this place that, um, that we, for, for all of our faults, I think we do love other people and I think we try to share that good news in ways um, that sometimes are uncomfortable. Those things you described um, weren't easy. And there have been, I think, many um, stories over the history of this church where um, we have looked very different from the world um, and we haven't followed an easy path, but we've decided to follow a path that we think is going to be pleasing to God. So, thank you. Um, what are some ways we can discern the will of God as we move to the future? And they don't even have to be best ways. That, you know, that word kind of jumps out at me as I'm seeing it up here on the screen. Um, it almost implies that some are good and some are bad. I think there are probably lots of ways we can discern the will of God. So what are what are some of those? How do you know what to do? What guides your decision making when you're trying to figure out what God wants for you in your life? We could do prayer and fasting as a congregation. We could do prayer and fasting as a congregation, yeah. Yeah, we, um, I don't know that we've done that very often. It's it's one of those uncomfortable areas that we, I know personally, I haven't studied a lot. Uh, I know there's some people here that do that in small groups, but um, yeah, that's a great idea. Some other ways. Patrick, how do you discern the will of God? So we're moving into the I'm going to start calling on people phase <laughs> of the class discussion. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say, I would say you want to have a diversity of voices okay. concerning the will of God. Okay. Um, which means that maybe people that, uh, I wouldn't naturally want to hear from. Okay. Because I think that uh, other has a way of speaking truth into your life that same cannot. Okay. So So let me ask you, you bring up a really interesting point. So does discerning the will of God mean we're all going to agree at the end of that discernment process? Not at all. In fact, probably it would probably be rare. So yeah, I think that's how I, I think that's a great way forward is to make sure that we're including 
as many diverse voices at the table as possible. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Which is not always comfortable. But the faith that we're part of is not a faith of comfort, but a faith of discomfort. Right. So in your life, and I'll invite other people to, to join in this answer, how, how do you, how do you um, seek out and, and listen to those diverse voices? Because uh, I know naturally I'm drawn to people who are like me and who laugh at my jokes and, you know, and so, um, so how, do you, how do you intentionally find those differing voices? Or have, have you figured it out? I mean, how do you find them? Yeah, I, I mean, how, how, what's what's the way? I would say you know. You know, okay. I would say you. you I would say you know what it is. Okay. Like you could ask anybody in the room who are the different voices that need to be included in their life. You know who they are. You want someone to tell you that. So it's a matter of being open. It's a matter of being yeah. open to it. Yeah, you got to be yeah. open to it. Because yeah. again, the spirit is always speaking to you. Mm -hmm. It's just if you would pay attention to what the spirit is trying to say to you. Or you being hard-headed and stubborn, which is most of the time. I think that's a very human quality. Um, yes? Also, we learn about going back to the scriptures and really focusing on what the early church was doing and uh -huh. making disciples. I like to see us get back to basics and let's go back to Excellent. what was the yeah, so what does that look like is, you know, that, that implies being in the Word and going back and, and looking at examples of what early believers did, what Jesus himself did. Um, actually, that's, that's actually a really good segue for coming back next week because we're going we're gonna to dig into some of that next week. So I appreciate you saying that. We're going to look at four examples of how Jesus himself and Paul and early church leaders navigated some of that when they when they discerned the will of God and then they had to figure out what to do with that. Um, and so instead of reinventing it for ourselves, I think you're exactly right. I think we need to look to, to the scriptures. We need to look to what um, people who've gone before us have figured out and, and lean on that. So thank you. That's excellent. Um, so let's do this. I, I'm looking at time. Time is short. So um, just quickly in summary, uh, we're in a broken world, um, and and we've got to do this together in, in conjunction with God's holy word. Uh, his will is uh, sovereign, and we've got to remain faithful. Um, and if we listen to the will of God and let God transform us, then um, I think we're on the path. We've got responsibility to be God's witnesses, um, and then this has come up just organically in the conversation. I appreciate this. And this is discerning the will of God, I think, is best done in community with other believers. Um, and I think that's a very scriptural idea. We're going to go a little deeper in that next week and, and talk about uh, how some of the early believers um, navigated that. So here's your homework assignment. And uh, feel free to take a picture of this on your phone. We're not going to have time next week to read all of these and, and go into great detail, but we are going to talk about these. Some of these are familiar, but like all scripture, I think, um, and, and I'm happy to do a selfie with anybody. So. <laughs> um, if, 
I, if you spend a little time this week, and maybe this is your uh, discipline that you can commit to and decide to do this week, just read these. It won't take long. And these are familiar stories, but I'm always amazed at how Scripture is surprising. Even when we think, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. It's amazing. I, I truly believe the Holy Spirit's at work in Scripture. And when we talk about these, that the reason these are timeless is because the, the Spirit is alive in, in these words of, of God. So um, take a look at those. Um, and we'll get together next week. Any comments, Brian, David? Can I just make can I have one minute? Yes, you certainly may. Okay. Is this a stand-up minute? Yeah, this is. All right. This does turn off the recorder. Oh, okay. So I just wanted. We'll to, edit this out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to maybe give a little context. If if I were sitting in your chair, it might help. I mean, Chad's done a great job. This this message is being delivered to everybody so it's the same message right so he kind of got handed a script if you will so he's done it it's a little bit hard to deliver right um but, but what we're doing i mean we have a big church here we have 35 elders and we don't we're trying to figure out how to make this church go forward right and it's not easy and so, but we want to be proactive and say things and lead this church, but we're still trying to figure out ways to do it. So this is an attempt to do that. But what we're saying is we believe it's important that people are holy here, that they live holy lives, and we're going to keep talking about that, that they discern from the scripture, that we do this in community, that we're not going to agree. I mean, it's, these are tough times. You know, we've got hundreds of thousands of issues that are just very difficult. But that's kind of what we're trying to do with these three weeks, is say this is what's important, and this is where we're going, and this is what we want everyone to hear. So, that may I just wanted you to kind of have a bigger picture of what's going on here. Because we as elders, I mean, we meet all the time, and it's hard to know everybody, you don't know us a lot of times, but these things are important to us. So we're not just drifting as a church. We're, we're trying to go somewhere. So I hope you can hear that and listen to that and, and buy into that and join us. So that, well, that was it. Well said. Well, Thank you. Really, but yeah. I'm always we're not to editing talk. that out. I'm always That's, willing to talk. I'm not sure what you said. Brian, will you, um, if you want to say anything, and then if you will close us with prayer. Uh, let's all pray. Father in heaven, we found ourselves in an imperfect world. A world that's created by you, a perfect being. And so uh, we know that uh, we have a responsibility. We call on your name, Father, to guide us uh, and help us to find ways that we can impact this world and make it look more like your kingdom. Father, uh, as we find that uh, we have funds that will be free, uh, that can be used in this effort, we also want to be reminded of unused uh, resources among ourselves with our time, our energy, and our emphasis. So Father, we ask that you bless us as we look for ways to use that resource as well. We do believe, Father, that you gave us your Son, that you loved us so much. We do believe, Father, that he died on the cross 
the cause of our sins, remember me, Father, that He rose from the dead, and He sits with me. For it's through Him that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. See you next week.